Hey, welcome to the Missio Day podcast. Check us out on the web at missiodeschicago.com. Genesis 12, 1 through 4. Now the Lord had said to Abram, get out of your country from your family and from your father's house to a land that I will show you. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great. And you shall be a blessing, and I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse him who curses you. And in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So Abraham departed as the Lord had spoken to him, and Lot went with him. And Abram was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. This is the word of the Lord. You can be seated. Felt a little too close. How's everybody doing? Is everybody feeling emotionally healthy now? By now? (laughs) So today we're talking about living in vulnerability. Can anybody say that word ten times? I never feel as vulnerable as when I say that word. (laughs) Do I know the English language? Kinda. <laughs> Living in vulnerability, and I think this, I had expectations going into the series of how it would affect me, and it's even exceeded that. Helping me look at my past in a healthy way and remember some of the seasons that God has taken me through. And I was actually really excited about this message, although it can have some dark connotation to it. Living in vulnerability or the journey through the wall, which is chapter four in the book. Um, But it's about those dark, those night seasons that we have and how they shape us as people and how important they are, which is an amazing message for someone like me who really loves joy and apparently is a seven on the Enneagram. So I don't see that. I'm resistant to that. I don't know. Enthusiasm, I don't know what that is. So vulnerability (laughs) is what God, is the state that he likes us to be in. Able to be tenderly moved one way or another. And um, we can sometimes have a misconception of the way God works because he works out things so well. That, that must mean that he caused them since he worked them out so well. He's just so, so good at redemption. And we see in the story of Abram, before his name became Abram, which Abram means father, which is an awesome name. Come on, I don't want to be his father. And then God changes his name to Abraham, which means not just father, but a father of many nations. And he was invited to go to a place that no one had ever gone before, taken a route that no one had ever taken before, from a place where everyone he knew or had come before him had lived. And God is telling them to leave Ur and follow the Lord. And I will make you great. I will make you the father of many nations. Your offspring will be as numerable as the sand on the seashore or the stars in the sky. All you have to do is take this really dark walk 
that no one before you has ever taken before, and you don't have a map for, and you don't have a place necessarily where you're going. And he did. And we know how that story has worked out. Most of the people who ascribe to a faith on earth call Abraham their father. If you gathered them all together, they would look like all the sand on the seashore and all the stars in the sky. But what I think about is like, what, what was that first dark night like? The first night that he leaves, he can no longer see the light of where he came from. The only light he has is this fire and he has his family and all the people who are with him gathered around him. I'm sure it was an oh crap moment, Christian cuss word, like, man, did I really, you know, that's when a doubt comes in, like, did I really hear the Lord tell me to do this? Of course, he didn't have a name for the Lord at that point, but did I, did I really hear him correctly? It is pitch black out here. I can't see where I came from. I darn sure can't see where I'm going. It's at that time where all the doubt begins to assault, and God says, I'm going to make you a father of many nations. A father? And you're going to bless everybody through me? That means I would need the ability to bear children, right? That's like a, a detail you forgot, Lord. <laughs> and he tells Abraham this when he's 75 years old. And it's good when you can see how everything works out how he journeyed through that dark time, through that night season, holding on to the hope and the promise that he would have a child. 25 years later, 25, which is normally the age of your first midlife crisis. And then the second one is about 40, around 40. <laughs> early, one, early one is 25. What am I doing with my life? Oh, no. Mark Zuckerberg had already started Facebook by now. <laughs> I'm in my parents' basement. Like, I use their Netflix account. Like, <laughs> Some of you still do. I know it's cool. No shame. No shame. <laughs> Definitely you feel like you're supposed to have it together by, by this point. But Abraham waited that amount of time before he had his son. And in the midst of that time, of course, Ishmael was born. Eleven years in, he's like, I'm tired of waiting. Give me the handmaiden. So has a child, and he's still waiting another 25 years. And I, I think of those dark seasons that nobody would, like, wish for. Who, who starts the year with an expectation that they're going to go through a dark season? Nobody does. Like the optimism on January 1st is at an all-time high. Nobody is going to die. Nobody is going to move. <laughs> like every year we go into it like that. And so when we experience it, we're so disappointed because we didn't expect this to happen. One of the amazing things years later with Solomon, he asked God, God says, I'll give you whatever you want. What do you want? He says, I want wisdom and understanding so I'll know how to govern your people. 
And I look at that, and I go, oh, you know, wisdom is good. To, it's a good thing to have. That's why God was so amazed by his answer. I think God was maybe amazed by his answer because it showed he expected trouble to happen. He expected hard times. He expected there were going to be obstacles that he was going to need to navigate. So he said, give me wisdom and understanding to do that. Most of the time, I know I pray for trouble not to happen. How about wisdom to navigate the trouble that has been happening on this earth since it began? That people are going to die, people are going to be born, people are going to move, people are going to start school, people are going to end school, there are going to be a lot of transitions in life, and sometimes they all bunch into one and make for a very dark season. God, where are you? I don't see you. It's, it's really dark. There's a reason he used the stars. Sure, Abraham was well acquainted with the stars. Laying there in the dark like, what the heck is going on? <laughs> Only thing that could illuminate such a dark landscape, and all he knew was to walk in this direction. All right, I'm just going to keep going in this direction, and eventually things are going to work out the way that they've been promised. What does a night season look like? We feel lost. God, where are you? Like, I think I, think I kind of heard you right. Like, where are you? This is radio silence. It's, I'm, I'm hearing nothing. What's going on? Where are you, Lord? And I think even in times that we are ridiculously stressed, that we remember that even a teacher is silent during the test. Where are you, God? Maybe he's teaching us another language, another way to hear him. We feel weak in menial, menial tasks. God, I can't do this. The stuff that I used to do, I, can't, I, I just can't do it anymore. This season is like, made me feel bare, naked, and exposed because I know exactly how weak I am. My pride doesn't work anymore. I lost my job that I had for 10 years. Like my career that I've invested decades into is just a dead end right now. I need to pivot and do something else. What is going on? I can't do this anymore. Or we feel hopeless and aimless. God, where am I going? I'm just walking west. I'm in this season where everything just seems to be bearing down on me. And I don't know where I'm going. Just a night season. What makes people stay in Chicago in the night season of the winter? Because you know it's a season. It's not a lifestyle. And they last for a while and then they go away, but even hearing that doesn't make a night season go away. 
and doesn't make it sometimes can be counteractive when somebody tells you, oh, you know, God is working it out. All right, great. Awesome. Sure. Cool. My back is against the wall, but he's working it out. Cool. I'll just, I'll remember that. And we know that he very often strips the things off that are not like him as we'll be refined in a fire and uses this time so well, then wow, he must, he must cause them. Turn to Exodus 4, please. I'm going to read Exodus 4, 10 through 15. About my homie Moses. Moses. So last week I talked about Joseph and him saving the children of Israel through his father Jacob. He invites him to live in Goshen in Egypt. All of his family comes in, about 70 people, and their bloodline is preserved. All the tribes of Israel are living in Egypt. They're having a good time. And years later, after Joseph dies and the Pharaoh forgets the whole story, the current Pharaoh forgets the whole story, and the children of Israel are in bondage. What was once comfort has become slavery. That's another message, though. And they're in Goshen, and all of a sudden, infanticide happens, which is the mass killing of children. And the Jews, the Israelites, are getting too big for Pharaoh. He's like, I got to kill them off. And he starts to do so, but a child is going to be preserved by his mother, and that's Moses. His mother puts him in a basket. You've all seen the Prince of Egypt, right? Yeah. Maybe all. <laughs> puts him in a basket in the Nile with all the dangerous, you know, crocodiles and stuff, and floats him on down the river. Pharaoh's daughter finds him, raises him as his own. He becomes the Prince of Egypt, and then he becomes the deliverer of his people, but not before he spent... 40 years in the desert, what we would look at as this night season. Imagine, imagine being raised royalty, not just royalty, a royal family in a country, but you are considered the largest royal, you know, the wealthiest family on earth. You're raised as a prince with expectations high of everything that's supposed to happen. At 40 years old, you find out who you really are, a Hebrew, and are put out into the desert, 40 years. And then God has this encounter with him through a burning bush. He has never heard the Lord before. Something inside of him is beginning to stir, understanding who he truly is. And in the midst of it, we have this encounter that's in Exodus 4 and 10. You guys are in unison now. That's gangster. Then Moses said to the Lord, Oh, my Lord, I am not eloquent, neither before nor since you have spoken to your servant. 
but I am slow of speech and slow of tongue. So the Lord said to him, who has made man's mouth, or who is, makes the mute, the deaf, the seeing, or the blind? Have not I the Lord? Now therefore, go, and I will be with your mouth, and teach you what you shall say. I will be with your mouth. <laughs> but he said, oh my Lord, please send by the hand of whoever else you may. Somebody else can do this, really? My cousin, you know, they, they look like they're qualified. So the anger of the Lord was kindled against Moses, and he said, Is not Aaron the Levite your brother? I know that he can speak well. And look, he is also coming out to meet you. When he sees you, he will be glad in heart. Now you shall speak to him and put the words in his mouth. And I will be with your mouth and with his mouth, and I will teach you what you shall do. This is an amazing exchange. God is appearing to somebody in a burning bush, and they decide to argue with him. <laughs> like, immediately, Moses was just, had this comfortable, you was just comfortable with the Lord. Like, man, look, we're going to reason together. Like, God gives me marching orders. I'm like, I'm going to go do it. <laughs> Let me tell you why I can't do it. I'm a stutterer, God. I can't speak very well. And he's just patient with him. And because he had been in this night season for 40 years. Like, that's a long time. And I always say, we think if we're not being, like our ministry isn't full grown and branded by 30, something is going wrong. Or whatever we're growing, like it needs a 40-year increments. He's on the other side of the desert as a shepherd. When he, as a part of a royal family, had thousands of shepherds at his beck and call. Could eat anything that he wanted. But he's on the other side of the desert, and God speaks to him through a bush. And he's constantly in doubt. He had murdered someone. He ran off like God is mad at me. I know he's mad at me. I can't hear him. He's obviously upset with me. Where is he? I can't see him. I can't hear him. Where am I going? I don't know where I'm going. I'm just with this family on the other side of the desert. They don't even look like me. Constantly doubting and waiting. The night season is full of waiting. You will never feel more vulnerable than you will waiting. Never. It strips everything off of you. Your agenda, your ego, your I can do this myself. It all happens as a part of this refining process. And this night season very often of silence, where is the Lord, is beginning to strip all the things off of us that are not like him. And that process is not painful at all. <laughs> it's really, you know, it's really like comfort food. It just is real easy. No, it's painful. <laughs> You're like, I thought that was me, but that's just the way that I've learned to survive. I thought this was who I was, but that's just what I look like when the light is out. When the night is out, our true selves are shown. And we have to sometimes sit in silence and hear the lies that have been rising up. You're a stutterer. You can't speak. 
why would God call you to do this? You're, you're deathly afraid of public speaking. You don't have the right blood. You don't have the right credentials. Why would he call you to do this? That dream is not real. It's sitting in that time that we become vulnerable. And how do we share our dreams? How do we even form a desire that we feel inadequate to fulfill? How do we wait for 25 years? How do we wait for 40 years? He's not really silent. We're just learning to hear him without the same interference. Three hundred years is how long nobody heard the Lord between Malachi and the scriptures and Jesus being born. A season of night. Ruth follows Naomi into Israel, into the darkness, into the unknown. David waits for 17 years to become king. You're anointed. Here you are. You've arrived, man. You made it. Yeah. 